The caller stated that he wanted to remain anonymous, but that he wanted to pass on some information regarding this case. He stated that he was at a pool hall in Oak Cliff and that people at the pool hall were talking about the complainant's death. He stated that the people were saying that they believed an individual named Mario Rojas killed the complainant and his girlfriend because James owed him a lot of money for drugs. When this thing goes to court and trial, I have one shot and one opportunity to be not guilty or I go to prison in death row. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the reality of it. We have busted alibis. We have caught people in lies. This is just insane because everybody's pointing the finger at somebody else. You just don't hear every day walking in somebody's house, they're going to take the plastic out and pop somebody. So he could get the execution date pretty much any day? Yeah. There's no impediment. This is Cousins by Blood. Episode 28, Oak Cliff. On the southwest end of Dallas lies Oak Cliff. There turned out to be multiple reasons this neighborhood needed to be looked into. According to Ivan, there was a connection between James and Oak Cliff beginning in the early 90s. Ivan wrote me this in a letter. During the summer of 1991, James had started purchasing his cocaine from the Oak Cliff area of Dallas. I specifically remember the summer because it was my last year at Plano Senior High School. While hanging out that particular summer, I remember James telling me that he had scored a new coke connection in Oak Cliff. He never shared the guy's name, but I could sense that he was excited. Before making this new connection, James had been getting his coke from the Pleasant Grove area of Dallas. For some reason or another, James always had problems with the Pleasant Grove guys, so this is why he was excited to develop his new connection in Oak Cliff. Over the years, James never mentioned his connection by name, but did share that the guy also owned a paint and body shop on Jefferson Avenue. Sometime during the mid-90s, I discovered that this information was true. My wife, Michelle, had acquired a Chevy Cavalier with some front-end damage. One afternoon while talking with James, he suggested that we take it to his friend for an estimate. We arranged for the Cavalier to visit the paint and body shop on Jefferson Avenue. Through the course of this repair transaction, I never met James' connection. Everyone that we encountered only spoke Spanish and personally worked on the car. None of the guys that I encountered from the body shop came off as drug dealers. But yeah, James did say that his connection owned the body shop. In 1998, shortly after James and Amy purchased their first home on Gibbons Drive, James mentioned that he was interested in purchasing a few investment properties. He explained that the rent houses would meet two goals, one being that they would pay for themselves while generating a small monthly income, and the other reason was so that he would have a place to store his drugs. Since he now owned the Gibbons house and was planning to marry Amy in the near future, he didn't want to keep large amounts of drugs in the house. Eventually, James started looking for investment properties to purchase. After looking at several homes throughout the Dallas area, he settled on two in the Oak Cliff area. Hearing this for the first time surprised me. I suppose it's because of Oak Cliff's bad reputation for crime, drug dealing, and just being a low-income area. James explained that for him, the Oak Cliff area was perfect. 
The two rent houses were near each other, and as his shipments arrived, they wouldn't have very far to travel. Shortly after James purchased the two rent homes, a refurbishing team was sent in. Once the homes were ready, he leased them out. Based on two of my conversations with James, I was under the impression that his drugs were being stored at one of the rent houses. I thought this because one afternoon while having lunch with James, we stopped by one of the rent houses to confirm that his drugs were safe and secure. On that day, the rent house with the drugs wasn't being leased at the time, so I believed that the tenant of the other rent house was overlooking things for James. Unless, of course, James had someone else watching over the rent house with his drugs. As far as I know, the Dallas Police Department failed to investigate this as well. But yeah, from 1991 up until the day of the murders, James purchased his drugs from Oak Cliff. I'm still in the process of locating that paint and auto body shop on Jefferson that Ivan says James Coke Connection owned. We'll get back to that. Let's dig into those rent houses, as Ivan thought that that's where James' drugs were being stored, which could explain why no large quantities of drugs were found in James and Amy Kitchen's house. James' two rent houses were located on West 12th Street in Oak Cliff, They were both brick, single-story homes right beside each other. Now, in a police statement and at trial, Amy Kitchen's dad, Jerry Kitchen, stated that before having dinner on November 3rd with James and Amy, they all stopped by the rent houses. James was there to pick up the rent from the rented unit. Jerry Kitchen testified that he went into the other unit that was vacant. He said that James went next door with a receipt book and came back with the unit's rent money which he believed to be about $800 in cash. Shortly after that, they left, and then Jerry Kitchen, Amy Kitchen, and James went to El Ranchito, a Mexican restaurant in Oak Cliff, and had dinner, which turned out to be James and Amy's last meal. I wanted to know more about these rent houses, so I reached out to the tenants in 2000 to see what they could remember. A Hispanic couple had rented one of the homes about two months before the murders. At trial, the father testified about James picking up the rent that night and that the other unit was vacant. But what's interesting is when I spoke to the daughters of the family, who would now be in their 40s, they both say they remember people coming and going from that vacant unit who did not appear to be working on the house. But it's been so long ago They can't remember a description of the people other than Hispanic males in their late 20s to early 30s, nor can they remember any vehicles. So, although curious, at this point in the investigation, I found no evidence that drugs were being stored in the vacant rent house. And because of its reputation of being a rough area, I wondered if a separate piece of evidence stemmed out of Oak Cliff as well there seemed to be a gang implication that came about after James and Amy's murders. You see, there were notes left on multiple cars at James and Amy's wake. The notes just had four words, written in what would best be described as a gang font. The notes read, King Tone, James Lives. I wondered what these notes meant and why they were left outside of James and Amy's wake. 
through a third party. These notes were sent to a former detective in the Dallas PD gang unit. The detective stated that the first two words on the note, King Tone, was the name of the former head of the Latin Kings. But according to the gang unit detective in Dallas, there isn't a large influence of any Latin Kings. Also in the notes, drawn within the S's of James and Lives, there were three dots that formed a triangle pattern. The gang unit detective stated that the three dots are common with both true gang members and wannabe gang members. They mean, quote, my crazy life, unquote. And he said the three dots are not unique to the Latin Kings. You can see a picture of these notes on our website and social media pages. So were these notes some kind of indication of gang or Latin King involvement in the murders? Or perhaps some kind of gang respect shown to James after his passing? I don't know, but someone left these, and there must have been a reason why. So please check out these notes on our social media pages and website. I'm still looking for more information. Someone knows what they represent. But the main reason this Oak Cliff connection needed to be investigated was because that was the neighborhood in which the anonymous tip came out of. This was the report from a phone call made to Dallas PD on November 5th, 2000, one day after the bodies were found. The caller was a Hispanic male, possibly in his 20s to 30s, with a good command of the English language. The caller stated that he wanted to remain anonymous, but that he wanted to pass on some information regarding this case. He stated that he was at a pool hall in Oak Cliff and that people at the pool hall were talking about the complainant's death. He stated that the people were saying that they believed an individual named Mario Rojas, Latino, male 40s, killed the complainant and his girlfriend because James owed him a lot of money for drugs. The caller stated that he never was told how much the complainant owed Mr. Rojas, only that it was for the white stuff, which he knew to mean cocaine. The caller stated that Mario Rojas, a major drug dealer, and has several younger sons that may be in the business as well. He stated that he usually drives around in limos and is from the Oak Cliff area of Dallas. He usually hangs out in the area of Texas Avenue. He stated that Mario Rojas was tied in with a guy named Johnny Mojica and that Johnny Mojica is currently on the run and is wanted by the Dallas Police Department. He stated that since Johnny Mojica started running, Mario Rojas moved up in power within the organization. It actually didn't take very long to find someone in Oak Cliff who knew Johnny Mojica, the guy that the anonymous tip said was tied in with Mario Rojas. To maintain the anonymity of this and upcoming Oak Cliff informants, a transcript from these phone calls will be read by an actor, as well as any identifying information will be omitted. I'm eager to hear uh, how you know Johnny, if that's the same Johnny. I know it is. I know it's the same Johnny. Now, how do you know? There's only one Johnny Mojica in Oak Cliff. 
He's very well known in the drug business. When I was younger, in the 90s, I frequented all of the Mexican bars. Every night about midnight or 12.30, I'd go to the Ladies' Choice Bar and find out where the after-hours party was. Because I was a party girl back then, and all the Mexicans had after-hour parties, and there was always lots of cocaine. They'd line the whole bar up with cocaine, I mean, as long as the bar was. It was fun for a while, but it didn't turn out so pretty, I'll tell you that. But that's how I know Johnny Mojica. He was well-known in Oak Cliff. He would be in his 60s now, and he's with a girl that owns a Mexican restaurant on Harry Hines. Johnny Mojica used to be in the Mexican restaurant bar business some. I've got a friend that knows these guys too. I'm texting with her right now. She said she knows where the pool hall was. She said the pool hall was on Hartsdale and Davis. She used to go there all the time. Now, how do you spell Hartsdale? H-A-R-T-S-D-A-L-E. I don't know if it's still there. I texted my friend. She'll get right back to me. My friend doesn't want to talk to you, but she knows all these people. I know Johnny Mojica. I don't know Mario Rojas. Mojica was a player, okay? He was a player with the women, the money, the gold, the jewelry, the cars. I mean, he was a player. Okay, here we go. She just texted back. The pool hall was Club Chemos. And she said Mario Rojas went away for drugs and Johnny Mojica just got out of the Fed. He just got out of the pen? The Fed. Federal prison. These guys ran big and they hid it behind a lot of bars and restaurants, you know what I mean? So it is legit cartel action over there, huh? Yeah, I would think so. It took a few weeks, but I was finally able to get the friend on the phone. It seemed they had more information. Again, the transcript from that call is being read by an actor. Yeah, so did tell you a little bit? It was a guy named uh, James Mosqueda was killed, and this would have been in the year 2000. This anonymous tip that um, apparently no one really ever investigated was that people were in Oak Cliff in 2000 at a pool hall, overheard people talking, saying that Mario Rojas Rosas. Mario Rosas. So just like Aubrey Gordon Patton's name was wrong in the case file, they also had Mario's name wrong. Further evidence, no one even tried to investigate the murder weapon or this anonymous tip that someone else killed James. It wasn't Mario Rojas. It's Rosas, okay. Had killed James because he owed him money for drugs. He probably did. These were not good people. Johnny Mojica, Mario Rosas... The dude that died, Ace. And then there was a guy named Frank Perez. Now, what was his name? Frank Perez. Frank Perez. That's who you need to talk to. Just like Gambino's name dropped out of thin air, so did Frank Perez's name in Oak Cliff. Because here's the weird thing. I don't know if it's the same guy, but a guy named Frank Perez was living with James Mosqueda three weeks before they were murdered. Well, there you go. Now, what do you know about Frank Perez? 
He was a popo. He was a police. He busted these people. Now, how do you know he was a popo? He was a police. I know he is. The Frank Perez that lived with James and Amy Kitchen testified that he was in the mortgage business. And before that, he worked at car dealerships. He was not a cop. He was a police, and he was working with some of those guys. Then he would bust them. The one that I know of was, I never talked to this dude, okay? But those guys are still dealing. So what do you know about Johnny Mojica? I don't really talk to nobody anymore, and so I'm not just going to come out of nowhere and start asking. These guys are kind of dangerous, okay? What do you know about Mario Rosa? He ain't nice, and he lived down the street from Club Chemo. So was Club Chemo like a pool hall? Yeah, it was real rough. Gangster stuff, a lot of cocaine. That's where they all used to hang out, on the corner of Hardsdale and Davis. I figured that must be the pool hall that the anonymous tip came out of, and Mario Rosas lived right down the street. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So was Johnny Mojica bigger than Mario Rosas or was Mario bigger than Mojica? They were buddies, like brothers. They were probably in it together, okay? Find Frank Perez. He was some kind of cop around there. Find Frank Perez. I didn't know what to make of this Frank Perez connection. If the Frank Perez in this case was actually some kind of undercover cop, surely that would have come out at trial. However, when I talked to cops about this conundrum, they informed me that sometimes on the streets, a CI, the police's confidential informant, can also be referred to as police. So could Frank have been a CI? And how would that tie in? So what, what else could you tell me about Mario Rosas and, and Johnny Moe? Word on the street was they were big time, but they did their time and they're out. I found another informant. Johnny did about nine years flat and he's been out about six years. And Mario did 14 or 15 years flat federal time and he's been out for a year or two. I wonder if he would have been out in 2000 though. In 2000, Mario was out. And Johnny Moe, they were both out in 2000. I know those guys, but I've never known Johnny to be a gunman. He never was a trigger guy, ever. Now, Mario, I don't know. I never heard of him killing anybody. He got into some fist fights, but that's about it. But the name James Mosqueda doesn't sound familiar. Where did they kill him at? They killed him up in his home in uh, McKinney. City of McKinney or McKinney Avenue? No, City of McKinney. 
I never heard anything about that. Whoever gave that anonymous tip must have been involved to have that much information. Because I never heard of Mario or Johnny killing anybody. Mario and Johnny were the ones that ordered the hit, not the ones that pulled the trigger. They would go send a flunky to do their dirty work so they didn't dirty their hands. But they were running buddies and still are. Now, what about uh, Club Chemo back then? It was a bar with pool tables in it, and most likely they hung out in there. Yeah, no, what can you tell me about this Frank Perez? Uh, he was a Dallas PD in the narcotics division. He busted Mario years ago. He busted a bunch of people in Oak Cliff. They used to call him El Gato because he had green eyes like a cat. He went to law school and now he's a lawyer. He's got a billboard by Lou Sterrett. Where did you hear he was involved in this? Tell me your story. There was a guy named Frank Perez that was living with James Mosqueda and Amy Kitchen for like three weeks before they were murdered. And then they get murdered, and then this guy just kind of... Yeah, it must be a different Frank Perez. This Frank Perez was married to an Asian lady, and he was a lawyer. I looked up the Dallas lawyer Frank Perez's website. It had a picture of him, and he had green eyes. I found his website, and actually, it'd have to be two different guys, because this Frank Perez, he testified that his name was Frank Perez, and I just looked up this Frank Perez, and it's Frank Perez. According to Frank's trial testimony, and this Frank's website... They had different middle names. Unbelievable. It seems they are two different Frank Perez's. It's just a hell of a coincidence. If somehow this Frank Perez knew Mario, and then maybe some things are coming together, but yeah, it's just a damn coincidence, I guess, but that's wild. This Frank and Mario, no way they'd be in cahoots. They hated each other. They shook Mario down one time because Mario was running his mouth saying he was going to have Frank killed. Yeah, when would Frank have busted Mario? It would have been in the 80s. I don't think it's the same Frank Perez. I don't think Frank would have been stupid enough to get involved in dumbass shit like that. He had too much to lose being an attorney. And he became an attorney how long ago, roughly? At least 20 years ago. It sounds like Oak Cliff was a real wild place, though, huh? Yeah, it was. It was like the Old West, but it was organized. Now all it is is young kids toting guns. They don't have no respect for one another. Back then, everyone had their own little entourage, but they respect each other and each other's territory. But now they're doing shady shit. They're killing people to rob them. Hey, you want a kilo? Okay, let me get it for you. And act like they're going to score the kilo for them and rip the guy off and not deliver nothing to him. They do bogus shit like that. That's South Dallas crap. It's a whole different generation now, man. Let me ask you, what about the Latin Kings? Were they big in Oak Cliff? I heard of them. Uh, they had the Oak Cliff Vagos. I don't know, because I never knew much about the gang crap. So Mario and Mojica, they weren't really into the gang crap? No, they weren't into gangs. They were organized. They were just guys that were connected. They were connected big. There's not anybody crazy enough. Even if someone knew what you're talking about, they'd probably say, hell no, I'm not going to testify, because they might be the next on the list. I tracked down the owner of Club Chemo's back in 2000, and not surprisingly, they said they didn't know anything about the tip or provide any additional information. But this anonymous tip had a lot of details. Mario Rosas and Johnny Mojica were confirmed to be in the drug business, 
So this tip didn't just come out of thin air. Someone thought Mario was connected to these murders. And as opposed to a regular private investigation, this is where a podcast investigation can be beneficial. At this point, I'm putting the anonymous tip, the gang notes, and the information about the body shop out there and asking for anyone with additional information. Your identity will remain anonymous. You can find this information on our website and social media pages. As I said at the beginning of the episode, I'm still in the process of locating the auto body shop that Ivan says James Coke Connect owned. Ivan says it was on Jefferson Avenue between I-35 and El Ranchito, the restaurant of James and Amy's last dinner. So that's on Jefferson between I-35 and North Llewellyn Avenue. In the late 90s, Ivan remembered the body shop being in a three-story building on the south side of Jefferson. If anyone has any information on any of these, you can contact me at cousinsbybloodpodcast at gmail.com. And I know if Ivan did commit these murders, this would be all for naught. But it's information like this that leads me to believe that Ivan may have been telling the truth all along. But y'all were looking for like a, a black Lincoln? Is that what kind of car they were? Ivan said yeah. that the pizza man, it was a black box style Lincoln, yeah. like a 90s yeah. Lincoln. Yeah, well, they brought up, they brought one of those cars up there to me, uh, like a cholo, long-haired, I don't, uh, Mexican dude, or was wearing a trench coat, but that's what he was driving. Was was I don't know if that fits the bill of the guy that Ivan's saying is the pizza man, but I have seen a car that resembles that, looks what he's talking about, and they were coming up from the, from the valley. Really? Yeah. And I don't know nothing about all this. All I know is, is when when I heard about that guy and that and that car, I told my wife, I said, man, that, that car's been to my my shop. And she said, you know, you need to tell him. It's got to be the same guy, dude. Next time on Cousins by Blood. find out more about the case and to see pictures, check out the website at CousinsByBloodPodcast.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Ivan's Letter, read by Ryan Freed. The Anonymous Tip, read by Dale LaFuenta. Informant One, read by Gabrielle Ragland. Informant Two, read by Susie Dryden. Informant 3, read by Randall Strew. Mixing and Mastering by Jody Abbott. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned. Stay tuned.